Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the message. If you have uh, your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 5. 2 Samuel chapter number 5. We've been in a series called Growth Spurt. And uh, how many people have been blessed by this series so far? How many people feel like there's some growing that you're already doing? You can see, like, you know what? This needle is moving. I'm having a spurt, <laughs> right? Uh, and we've been going through the life of David. The interesting thing is that David's life, uh, I'm seeing it in a new light. Is there anybody else that's reading through the story of David? And you're like, I did not see all of this before. Well, we're still uh, studying the life of David, and we're moving ahead to 2 Samuel chapter number 5, but I'm going to move backwards as well to give you some context uh, to some of the things that were uh, going on in David's life. I'm going to read 2 Samuel chapter number 5, verses 1 through 5. Here is what it says. It says, uh, then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him. Everybody say anointed. Anointed. They anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. Came into this appointment at 30 and reigned until he was 70 years old. That's a pretty full reign right there. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is three words. Ready, set, wait. (laughs) Ready, set, wait. You're preparing yourself. I'm getting ready. Woo! 2020. Woo! New decade. I'm about to handle my business. It's going down. I'm ready. Set. Wait. Now, just wait real quick. I know you're ready and I know you set. It's just not time. Bear your heads, let's pray. And you are not going to like this prayer. Holy Spirit, give us patience. Amen. (laughs) I told you I wasn't going to like it. We're discussing David's life and him coming into being the king of Israel, the anointing that was placed on his life. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, then uh, you've heard the word anointing. You've heard the word anoint. If you come from a Pentecostal background, you are very familiar (laughs) with the anointing. 
and the oil that comes with it. Jesus uses this term to speak of himself in Luke chapter number four, verses 18 and 19. He reminds us all that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He literally says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me. And we hear these words, and, and, and sometimes we can use words in such a manner that they actually lose their effectiveness and their intent. I was just talking with my friend about this. Because I'm a wordsmith and because I'm a literalist, when we use words uh, uh, to mean a bunch of things, they stop meaning what they should mean. And, and, and so, so you, you, can, you, you can say to someone, uh, uh, hey, I'm cool, and that can mean you're okay. But you could also say, not cool, and then it's not cool. You could also say, I'm cool, and then it means that your temperature is regulated. <laughs> but you could also say, that's cool, and it means that something's good. And so then we lose the, 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 the true meaning of cool because we've used it for so many other things that its original tent is just completely lost. The same has happened with the anointing. We've called everything the anointing. We've called every action the anointing. We've called everyone anointed in a certain manner or fashion to the point that the actual definition of the word has lost its value. Uh, uh, and, so, and so a great song could happen and, 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 and you go, whoo, the anointing. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes uh, the anointing came on people so quick that, that you know, everybody, everything was kind of happening and somebody was like, whoo, the anointing. You were like, oh God, the anointing's fast. It came through here quick. I didn't even expect it to. And, and, and so if everything's anointed, every song is anointed, every dance is anointed, every sermon is anointed, everything is anointed, everything you do is anointed, then, 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 then what's actually anointed anymore? Or is everything anointed? I remember years ago, back in the 90s, uh, uh, the great Whitney Houston sang the Star Spangled Banner. And listen, by the time she got to the home of the brave, and that sweat was on her top lip, and that bottom lip was, and them jets flew over that stadium, I was like, the anointing is in the, I didn't know God came to the Super Bowl, but clearly that Star Spangled Banner on today. Had the anointing on it. So, 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 what is the anointed? What is the anointing? And how are we supposed to let this go on? Well, I want to give you the definition of anointing. What it, what it says, what it means in Hebrew, what it means in Greek. Here, here are the definitions of the anointing: to assign, to appoint, 
to touch on the surface, to rub, to infect. I love that word. To smear, to consecrate or make sacred, to dedicate to the service of the Lord. Keep that up. To assign or appoint. To touch on the surface, to rub, to infect, to smear, to consecrate or make sacred, to dedicate to the service of the Lord. God's anointing was intentional. God's anointing was on purpose. And so here is my synthesized definition of the anointing. All my nerves will write this down. God's anointing is his approval on what you are doing with the gifts he gave you. I'm going to say it again. God's anointing is his approval of what you are doing with the gifts that he gave you. The gifts and callings of God are without, are, are without repentance. Whatever gift he gives you, he's never taking it back. If he's given you a great singing voice, whether you want to sing for his glory or whether you want to sing about the most depraved things in society, he's not petty enough to take it back from you. Oh, you're not going to use that for my glory? I'll take that back. <laughs> Go and do your performance tomorrow and see how you sound. God's giving you a billion-dollar innovation, and, and, and you're not going to give uh, to the kingdom of God, and you're not going to tithe, and you're not going to uh, uh, advance the kingdom. He's not going to go, you know what? Wake up tomorrow, see if you get another invention. That was only used for me. The gifts and callings are without repentance. When he gives you a gift, he is never going to take it back. But his anointing? His approval on the gift or talent he gave you, he can take that back anytime he wants. Ask Saul, anointed by God, and then disobeys God and has the anointing removed. Now remember, he gets anointed by God, he becomes what? King of Israel. Then he disobeys God, God removes what? The anointing. Does he remove the kingdom? He gets to keep the kingdom, but he no longer has the anointing. But what happens to Saul once the anointing is removed and he's still in the kingdom? He can't enjoy it. It actually drives him mad. Look no further than the entertainers in our industries, in our genres, if you don't believe this. They have millions of dollars. They've amassed huge followings. They have influence. They have personality profiles that, that, that everywhere they go, people are, just, are just, 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 you know, fawning over them. But they can't go to sleep without alcohol. They can't go to sleep without drugs. We have a whole genre of, 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 of drug music now. It's not, we're not even talking about, like, you know, girls and guns anymore. It's like, I need my weed and my molly 
and my Percocet and my Zan and my drink and my syrup and my stuff. Why? Because you have, you have $700,000 worth of jewelry around your neck and no peace. So the next time you thumb through People magazine or scroll through uh, someone's Instagram that has four million followers, before you wish in your mind you could be them, ask yourself this simple question. I wonder who gets to sleep faster, me or them? Because that's where the real win is, is when I have peace that when I put my head on my pillow, I know who made me, and he knows me. So I want to talk about the three anointings of David. There were three anointings that David had, and these three anointings were placed upon him for different stages of his life. The first anointing, please write this down, is a private anointing. David's first anointing is a private anointing. And this private anointing is given to David for the sole purpose of relationship with God. The first anointing is given to David for the primary purpose of relationship with God. God calls him out, gives him an anointing, and that anointing is done in such a way that it causes him to form this relationship with God that, that secures this bond that will be unwavering throughout the rest of his life. 1 Samuel chapter number 16, verse number 1 says this, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When, the, when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked, do you come in peace? Now, this is back in the day that when a prophet came, you didn't know what was about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? We have prophets that come in now. You're like, yeah, give me a word. But back then, yeah. it was like, hey, man, yeah. why are you here? You, we good? <laughs> it, 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 they, they, it, it, gave, it gave them the sensation that it gives you when a cop pulls up behind you. And, you, and you're just at a red light. And a cop pulls up behind you. For some reason, you like, oh, God. You just start interceding, and you already know, like, I have insurance. My driver's license is up to date. You still, you like, you, my registration says 1120. I'm good there. Then it was like, did anybody know about what I did when I was nine? You start tracking back like, Jesus, please. The light turns green, and, and you still looking, and all of a sudden, your whole personality changes. You're like, hands on 10 and 2. Look straight ahead. Speed limit's 40, do 37. The police zooms past you, and you're like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Uh, ah! 
that's how, that's how they were acting when he came through. Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me uh, to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed by looking at him. Just, he just looked at him and was like, that's got to be him. He looks anointed. I grew up in churches where people tried to assign you to giftings and callings. You look like a preacher. You, you, you sound like you can teach. We're going to have you lead a prayer because you sound like you can pray. What? I've literally heard people say, you, 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 you have a bishop's neck. You look like you'll be a good bishop. I'm like, we... We measuring the girth of necks <laughs> to assign callings? Man, we, we make a lot out of what we see, don't we? Maybe that's why so many people fake church. Because we've given them a blueprint on how to act instead of discipling them on how to be. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People, they judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab uh, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. <laughs> Can you imagine how the other brothers felt right now? All seven of them like, really? For real? I iron these jeans. I took a shower. I put gel in my hair. Put on the cologne. And, and Really? No, we not we not it. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. That's how clear it is with the Lord. This is the one. Came in from the field smelling like sheep dung. Didn't even have time to freshen up. This is the one. Hair disheveled, smelling like where he had been. Musty. Sweaty, didn't have time to get presentable. God said, that's him. I'll take him just like that. Smelling like cigarette smoke. I'll take him just like that. 
smelling like weed. I'll take them just like that. In the same outfit they had on last night at the club, I'll take them just like that. With a porn stash under the bed, I'll take them just like that. Lying, bitter, angry, unforgiving. I'll take them just like that. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now here's the thing. He got anointed. The oil flowed on him. Scripture says the spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. The, the, the way that we, we have seen so many antics in church that we think came upon powerfully must mean <laughs> that there was some physical demonstrative. Oh, oh, oh! Like everybody fell down in the floor, started rolling around, revival happened. No, some powerfully went in him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He knew he was different. And you know where he went? Right back to the field. Anointed to be king. Well, when do I move in the palace? Nah, man. But, but I'm ready. I'm ready to go right now. I'm only taking care of the sheep. Now, this first anointing is private. Didn't nobody see this but your family. And they're not happy. <laughs> now learn from Joseph. <laughs> Don't you put on no coat. <laughs> Don't go telling people about this. I gave you this anointing not to brag about it. I gave you this anointing to get comfortable with it. Thank you, Lord. And so keep coming back to me. I'm building a relationship with you right now. Keep coming back to me because there's some things about you I want to speak into. There's some things about this call that I've given you that I want to solidify with you. I want you to understand that you don't need anyone outside of me. I gave you this anointing in private so that we could establish a relationship. I'm going to do some incredible things in and through you. But right now, I just want our relationship to form. The first anointing is private, and it's to build the relationship. Point number two, please write this down. The second anointing is for the public. The second anointing is for the public. It's for the public and the 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 the. the Intent behind this second anointing is for stewardship. Can you handle what I give you authority over? Can you handle what I want to give you in this season of your life? Second Samuel chapter number two, verse number one says this. After this, David asked the Lord, should I move back to one of the towns of Judah? Yes, the Lord replied. Then David asked, which town should I go to? To Hebron, the Lord answered. David's two wives were Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. So David and his wives and his men 
and their families all moved to Judah and they settled in the villages near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came to David. He didn't go to them. They came to him and anointed him in the same way Samuel did king over the people of Judah. Then David heard that the men of Jabesh Gilead had buried Saul. He was like, okay, Saul has died and you, you want me to be king? It wasn't king of all of Israel. At that time, Israel was split. Ten tribes were in the north. Two tribes were in the south. Tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah was the only two tribes in the south. This second anointing was about stewardship. Can you handle the little I want to give you right now? It's a public anointing, but it's not for everybody yet. Can you handle what I put in your hand right now? Is this enough or are you going to complain that you need more? Can I trust you with a little before I have to trust you with a lot? It's a stewardship thing. I got saved uh, January 14th of 1996. I preached my first sermon February 25th of 1996, almost 24 years ago. And when I started preaching, um, uh, my parents gave me a private anointing. My parents pastored a church for about 15 years that never got over 100 people. And they, they, they pastored and shepherded those people faithfully. And when I gave my life to Christ and I preached my first sermon one month later, it was a private anointing that they had put on my life and said, listen, I want you to preach here and we just want to develop you as a preacher. So I preached in February. I preached in March, April, May, June, July, the rest of that year in-house. And after I preached in-house, at the end of that year, come December, they said, listen, next year, 1997, uh, you, you have proven yourself in this house. And if someone asks you to preach at their church, you should take the engagement. My response was, why would anybody call me to preach? I couldn't believe it. I was like, nobody's going to ask me to come preach at their church. But sure enough, other people started asking me to come preach at their church. I had already sat in my private anointing, and now God had given me a public one, something to steward. In June of 1997, I moved to Texas and uh, joined the Potter's House. And uh, the youth pastor at the time, uh, I went to go serve him. And he saw the gifting that was on my life. And so he had me up to transition services and to pray and to do 15-minute exhortations and to preach. And I was like, oh, God, I'm about to blow up. God's doing a new thing. He's opening doors. I was calling back home, Mama, I made it. God is doing it. And it, and, and it, was, it, it was thrilling at the time to, to see the confirmation of, of some things that I felt like God was downloading in my heart. Uh, and then uh, some people raised a concern. Some people that had been licensed ministers at the church raised a concern that I had not gone through licensing to have the authority to preach on their platform. Now, this is where a lot of people like to say the haters came out. <laughs> the people tried to block me from my destiny. No. They raised a, con a legitimate concern. They had done the work and gone through the process to be on that platform. And it just so happens 
I hadn't. So the youth pastor comes back to me and says, hey, uh, I'm, you're not going to be able to teach anymore uh, because you haven't gone through the proper uh, 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 steps to be licensed to preach here. Some people have raised a concern and, and, and you're going to have to step down from being on the rotation to teach. This is a test. Now, had I found my identity on the platform, had I thought that's the only place I could be affirmed, then I would have been offended. But I wasn't offended because all I saw the gifting as was a uh, way to serve God's people. So I was like, okay, I can't teach anymore. I didn't call home to my parents and be like, they trying to block the anointing. Y'all released me and sent me out here, and these haters have flared up. We're going to rebuke the devil. Come on, mama, daddy, y'all better pray with me. Let's bind the devil, because they acting up in here. It's not the truth. Protocol is you got to be submitted to authority. And if something like a class is going to make you run off, you weren't called to begin with. And so I said, okay, I, I can't teach anymore. And so he came up to me. He said, hey, um, uh, what I do want you to do is I want you to greet at the door. And I was like, okay. Now, again, if there's something in your heart, this feels like a demotion to you. Yeah. Can't have me greet at no door. <laughs> you saw me when I was standing up there. Revival almost breaks out every time I'm up there. You don't give me enough time for it to break out. But it almost breaks up every time I'm up there. Hey, I, hey, I want you to, I want you to sing in the nursing home. No, 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 no. I have worship albums in me. My gift can't be contained in a nursing home. How dare you? Send me to the nations. How dare you to ask me to stand at your door? If you can't stand at the door, You don't deserve to go to the nations. And so I stood at the door. And y'all know how I am. This is the way I've been all the time. So I'm just hugging everybody that comes out. Right? I'm like, everybody and 15-year-olds are getting creeped out by me. I'm like, come here, give me a hug. They're like, oh, no, I'm awkward. Stop. Why are you touching me? It's crazy. And I'm just hugging people at the door, and I'm just, you know, and, and this is what I was doing for like four months. And after four months, uh, the youth pastor comes back to me. He says, hey, I need to talk to you for a minute. He said, have you noticed what, what has happened since you've been at the door? I was like, no, because I didn't notice nothing at 21. I was just like happy to be doing something, right? I wasn't, I wasn't taking metrics and f- figuring out what was going on. Uh, he, he goes, ever since I put you at that door four months ago, our attendance has gone up 30%. Wow. Then he said, you know, your anointing works anywhere. Whether you get promoted or demoted, hired or fired, whether they notice you or don't notice you, you're still anointed. David was as anointed when the tribe of Judah asked him to beat their king as he was when he was over the sheep. 
Nothing changed. Except now the season was right. David's first anointing was somewhere between 10 and 15 years old. His second anointing didn't come until he was 22. Can you imagine waiting 12 years for a word from God to come to pass in your life? Some of us can't wait 12 months. I got a word that God was going to do something. I'm, oh, I'm just frustrated, Pastor. Well, how long has it been? When did God speak to you? About 90 days ago? <laughs> and I'm doing everything I can to prepare myself for this next season of my life. And, 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 and I'm like, uh, not, nothing's wrong. What do I need to do? How, how do I get to the, how do I, ho? Oh. How do I step into the next realm? This is how we start getting deep and our words start getting fuzzy. How do I step into the next dimension of glory? I'm like, I've never been in any other dimension except earth. So I'm not sure how other dimensions go. But we think because we use deep spiritual language that, that, that means we've, you know, I've unlocked a different realm in the atmospheric pressure of the anointing. And I'm like, no, you haven't. You didn't unlock nothing except crazy. Congratulations. You're crazy. The anointing works everywhere. It was a public anointing, but it was only for two tribes. David had the anointing for everybody. But he wasn't going to get it until he dealt with anybody. God has to trust you with anybody before he'll give you everybody. How are you going to treat these people? I remember uh, when I started preaching, um, I didn't have anywhere to preach. You know, the, the, it was spotty. Um, and when I first got married to Juliet in 1999, we got married May 1st of 1999, um, I didn't have a job for the first nine months we were married. That was terrible. To be a man, like my dad taught me how to be a man and provide for my family and not have a job for the first nine months, I mean, that was just painful. Juliet worked at Bank One back then before it was Chase, and um, she was going to work every day, and I'm at home trying to do resumes and all kind of stuff. And I just could not bear the thought of Juliet thinking that I wasn't doing anything for eight hours. So five days a week, uh, I would take cassette tapes and uh, I would record sermons, two sermons a day for five days a week. So I had 10 sermons every week for nine months straight. What I would do is I would take uh, the cassette tape on the A side. Okay. And I would find something to preach in the text, and I would push down on that record and play button. Anybody old enough? Okay. And, and I, would preach, I would preach a sermon uh, on side A, okay, including altar call. Then I would flip it to the B side and force myself to take the same passage but find a different angle to preach it from. And then I would preach the message, and then when Juliet came home, and she said, how was your day? I would be like, hey, I got these interviews lined up, but I also preached two sermons. And we would sit down 
in a room that I preached it in, had no furniture in it, and she would listen to both the messages, and she would give me her feedback. Two sermons, a day, five days, a week, 10 sermons for nine months. I got so good at it after a few months that I would uh, mail them back home to my parents, and they would sell the cassettes in the bookstore. And they would say, oh, my goodness, man, God's opening doors for Tim. He's preaching. And that sermon was great. <laughs> oh, woo. Man, I don't I don't know if the volume was uh, I don't know. You know, it, it was picking up his voice, but I couldn't hear the people saying amen. <laughs> but I know they had to be enjoying it because he was just going forth. That's what they would say back in the days. You went forth and and. And um, uh, the, the Venetian blinds got saved, and the curtains got saved, and the crown molding got saved, but that's, that's all that was in attendance. I had a public anointing, but I only had a few dates. My stewardship responsibility is what are you going to do with these few dates? Does the attendance in the room impact the passion you have for the word? Do the customers coming to the the restaurant you open dictate how you're going to cook? Do the calls that you receive for the orders dictate how you're going to provide your customer service? How are you with a few things? It's a public anointing, but, but it's very, very limited at the time. I remember uh, driving. My, my dad gave me his uh, Cadillac Coupe de Ville, two-door, gas-guzzling <laughs> tank floating on tires that were made out of clouds. And, and I got invited to go speak uh, at a friend's house, her and her friend wanted a Bible study. She had six kids, and her, she said, I can, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to invite my friend because I've told them about you. It was 50 miles from my house. I was so happy somebody called me. I jumped in that lack, <laughs> floated to that house. <laughs> I remember putting my Bible, my Bible on their coffee table, Two of them sat on the couch. I think she locked all six of her kids in their room. <laughs> and I taught them like I'm teaching you right now. Wow. It has never mattered to me who is here or who's not here. I've never walked through those doors and went, oh, man. <laughs> when we had three services, our one o'clock was our lightest service. And I would light them up. My, yeah, yeah, my one o'clock's in here. Yeah. Thank you. I, if God's called you to do it, you got to do it. Period. If he's called you to work, you got to work. You don't go to them people's job trying to be an evangelist. Do your work. That's evangelism. Get promoted. Take over the company. Then say God did it. But don't stand at the water cooler. Hoya. (laughs) And then get fired and say that it's the persecution of the enemy. No, you didn't do the people's work. 
Point number three, please write this down. The third anointing of David. The first one was private. The second is public. The third one is for people. This is the anointing you get when it's time for you to lead. That third anointing for people is for leadership. That's when God's telling you to move people in a certain direction. When you get this anointing, it works on everybody. Doesn't matter who it is. It just works. You're just anointed to do what he called you to do. And this excites me. Because when you get to this stage, God can trust you with any situation. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what your vocation is. Doesn't matter what you do. You could be in the education sector. You could be a customer service rep. You could work at Chick-fil-A. It won't matter. God just starts using you. And, and, and you're like, how did, how? He, he could just trust you in any situation. I, I know you can lead this person in this situation. We revisit uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 5. So I got the second verse. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, we are your own flesh and blood. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. Listen, that anointing for people works with anybody. So let me give you this story because this story is less than 24 hours old. I was in Chicago Friday night to speak at a church and came back on Saturday. Uh, I used to park uh, with uh, Airport Valet and they sold to DFW Airport. And if you work there, please don't be offended. Um, but their, their, their customer service is poor. And so I just said, I'm going to just start parking in the garage. Like, I'm not even going to the valet anymore. I'm, not, I'm just parking in the garage. And so I parked in A24. Everybody say it. A24. Parked in A24 like a good man. I took a picture of it <laughs> and went on my way. And uh, less than 24 hours later, I'm, I'm flying back. And I had got bumped to first class. Thank you, Jesus. I have favor. And... Uh, <laughs> When I landed, when the plane landed, th this woman, I don't know where, she, she could have been in 26D. But when that plane went boom, and you could take off your seatbelt, she was already at the front in first class. Like, please, 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 y'all have to get out of my way. I have to be in Mexico City. My father died. I have to, I'm going to miss my plane. Ah! And we landed in D, which means she was going to have to get on the Skylink and go to A so that she could get on her plane. Where was I? That's where I parked my car. So even though I was in D, I was going to have to go back to where? The gate she had to get to was A25. And I said, I'll take you to where you need to go. She was like, will you? I said, yeah. She was like, you're my angel. You're my angel. So I said, you're going to make this flight. Don't you even worry about it. It was a very tight connection, though, because when we landed, it was like 38 minutes before that flight took off. So it was super tight. And she lived outside of Green Bay, which means it was a two-hour drive to Green Bay, got on the plane in Green Bay, came to Dallas, and then now had to go from Dallas to Mexico City, and then drive two hours in Mexico to get to where she needed to be. So I'm like, you are not going to miss this plane, okay? She was about five inches shorter than me, so she is taking three steps for every one of my strides. <laughs> Okay, 
we got off that plane, and I said, you follow me. And we walked, and we got on the Skylink, and she was like, my father was a great man, and he prayed all the time, and he was such a blessing, and the Holy Spirit said, give her $500. And I said, no, she's telling me about her dad. I apologize, Lord, but I can't listen to both of y'all <laughs> at the same time. And what she's saying about her dad is really engaging, sir. So I need you to calm down. Because this is where you started. You didn't even try to give her $500. And I was like, whew. And so she's just going on, and then she's showing me the Facebook, and it was all in Spanish. But she was like, this is all the, and I'm just like, mm, mm, mm. Like, they loved him. They loved him. And she's scrolling. And then, and, then, and then, so then we get to A on the Skylink, and we get off. No, no, before we get off, I said, um, do, do you have, like, Cash App or Venmo? Or, and she looked at me like, like, I've never heard of this in my life. And I'm like. That was just me. I'm not supposed to give her Because if so, then technology would have been. So we get off the plane, and we come down the escalator, and we turn right where the Skylink was, the, her gate was just two gates down. Remember, A25. My exit is A24. And so I'm talking about leadership now for everybody. Right. So 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 we get there. And as soon as she sees the line, because they're grouping seven through nine now, as soon as she sees the line and that she's going to make it, she bursts into tears, grabs me by my. <laughs> she grabs me by my neck. She goes, you're my angel. You're my angel. You're my angel. And I said, you're going to make it. You're going to make it and you're going to be with your family and it's going to be great. And so uh, she got in line and I walked away and the Holy Spirit said, Give her $500. And I said, Lord, I don't have, there's no ATM. I don't know where the ATM is. And so I was like, if the ATM, if I see an ATM before I exit, then what I'm supposed to do, just go through the whole terminal looking for the, and then by the time I come back, then she's probably going to be gone, and then they're going to lock the jet bridge, and if I try to bang in there, I'm going to get arrested. And so... And so, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm walking, and then, what was my gate that I'm going out of? I, I get, the exit is A24, and there's a Bank of America ATM <laughs> right there. I bank at Bank of America, so I'm not going to even get a processing fee. This is a pure transaction. And so I go, and I, and I put my card in, and, and, and then it stops. And then it thinks it's fraud. And so then my, my phone goes off and says, is that you trying to get money? And I'm like, yes, I'm right here in front of it. It's me. And so I get the money out. And while I'm trying to get the money out, there's a guy that goes to our church who's an American airline pilot. And he walks up and says, Pastor Ross, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, man, right now, <laughs> trying to obey God and get this money. Okay, so then I get the money, then I run. And, and there are five people in front of her, 
before she has to give her ticket. And I put the $500 in her hand, and I gave her a kiss on her cheek. She didn't even look down at it. She just went, I'm going to give it to my mom. I'm going to give it to my mom because we have to give food. and everything. I was like, I don't, I don't care what you have to do with it. It's out of my hand, straight from his heart. And I love you. Te amo. I know that much. That anointing works everywhere, y'all. This is not just about leading a church or leading the organization or being the superintendent of the school or being the head of your family. When he gives you that people anointing, it works for all people. And when he can trust you with a little, then he will give you a lot. Because he knows that if he gives it to you, he'll get it through you. Put your hand on top of your head. Some of y'all have some fly hairdos, so just hover. <laughs> You're like, I can't mess this up. Repeat after me. I am, I am anointed, anointed right, now. right now. Say it again a little louder. I am, I am anointed, anointed right, now. right now. One more time real loud. I am, I am anointed, anointed right, now. right now. Keep it hand on top of your head. Now say this. And since that's the case, it's worth the wait. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I believe God's anointed some people in this room to do some significant things. Some of you all have prayer journals about stuff that God has called you to do and some things that you believe that he's going to do in your life. And you've been really frustrated. You've been thinking something must be wrong with me because it should have happened by now. Or maybe it's the mistake I made last year and I've disqualified myself. And no, no, God's using all that for good. He's not worried about you. You're a man after his own heart. You're a woman after his own heart. He knew you was a fool when he called you. <laughs> he knew you was crazy. He knew you didn't have it all together. He knew you didn't have all the answers. He called you anyway. He's not looking at the outward appearance. He's looking at your heart. He loves you. He's placed an anointing on you. There are things that you're going to do that no other person in human history is going to get to do. There's such a rare expression of the Holy Spirit in you that has never existed in human history before you and it will never exist in human history after you. You are that unique to him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, there might be some people in here that have never given their life to Jesus Christ and this is an anointing that you can have right now. Just by confessing that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, and repenting, which doesn't mean to apologize. It means to change your mind about the way you've been thinking about how to live your own life. Perhaps you're in here and the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus. You need to give your life to Christ today. Perhaps you made a confession long ago 
But there's been nothing about your life that has matched that confession from that time. And you just need to recommit. If that's you and you're here, I just want you to raise your hand. If you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Our ushers, I see that hand. Thank you so much. It's it's so bold for you to do it. Just keep it up just for a moment. Our ushers are going to come put a card in your hand. And I just want you to fill it out and just check that I gave my life to Jesus. All of the angels in heaven are having a party right now. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Yay. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. Keep that hand up until you get a card in your hand. Just keep that hand up. I'm so proud of you. The angels are rejoicing. I'm so grateful for the decision that you're making right now. It's a decision that's going to transform your life. For the rest of us, you've made a commitment to the Lord, but maybe there's just been a fight. Maybe there's just been some some challenges around some of the things you've heard, some of the things that's been prophesied over you. Is this really going to happen? I'm getting old. Or is this really going to happen? It's taking a long time. I mean, I heard your sermon, Tim, but, okay, David, if we do the math, it's about 20 years, man. I'm I'm knocking on 40. I'm waiting still. Is it going to happen or not? God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. Just not on our timetable. It's always on his. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.